This podcast is sponsored by tenofthose.com. Tenofthose.com handpick the best Christian books that point to Jesus and sell them at discounted prices. Holiness by J.C. Ryle is one of those classics that I keep coming back to year after year. Whether read aloud with a friend or just chapter by chapter in my own time, Ryle covers some massive topics with rich gospel encouragement and challenge that even 200 years on, they're still just as pertinent and important to us in the 21st century. As ever, grab your copy from tenofthose.com. Hello and welcome to Two Sisters and a Cup of Tea. My name is Felicity and I live in the US and this is my sister Sarah and she lives in the UK. Hi Sarah. Hi. Nice to see you. What's in your cup today? Oh, I've got an Earl Grey today. What have you got? Oh, same actually. Earl Grey, classic gentle brew I like. We don't often get a snap like that. No. No, I'm more expecting you to have a sort of hot water at this time of the day. No, but... I think I've branched out quite a lot in the last year. Podcast provoked tea drinking. I've, yes. You know, there's <laughs> definitely a wider variety going on than there was a year ago, I'd it's say. It's true. When you name your podcasters, your podcast two sisters and a cup of tea, then there's a certain obligation to uh, hit that tea yeah. drinking. It's been good. I've enjoyed it though. Yeah. I'm, I'm enjoying the exploration to tea. Yeah. No, me too. Me too. Biscuits as well. I'm quite proud of my biscuit today, actually. A handmade star biscuit. Oh, nice. Christmas recipe one. Christmas recipe in honour of my son's birthday, though. He wanted a space-themed birthday. So star nice. biscuits and a cake. You'll be glad to hear. Oh, good. Yeah. Biscuits on their own, a little disappointing, even if you are English. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, Felicity, nice. um, before we get into... John, um, a bit more of John. Um, we thought we it would be worth kind of asking the question: Why do we? Why bother picking up the Bible during the week with a friend? Um, like if you're hearing it on Sunday at church, and you're maybe even in a house group or a home group or something as well. Why? Why do this as well? Why the encouragement to meet up with a sister in Christ and do this? Yeah, I think even even not just with a sister, but on your own, like why bother picking up the Bible for yourself just as much as whether you do it with a friend when you're hearing things at other times. And Mm. I I think in my experience, there's just been so much gained from digging into the word myself. My own understanding of the word then helps me to develop my own convictions that are not dependent upon who's teaching me it. And it's not to Mm -hmm. say the teaching is bad. That is essential. That is a good thing. But as I understand it for myself, I think I'm more rooted in my faith, less likely to be shaken because I'm really convinced that that is what the Bible says, rather than just hearing it from someone in a pulpit or or whatever. Well, what about you? Have you had a similar experience or? Yeah, that's helpful. Um, It's just the more you read it and kind of, I guess, the more you get into it for yourself, the richer it becomes, doesn't it? Because I think the more you, that you do it, the more, the easier it probably becomes as well. And the hungrier you get to keep reading it. And I think that should then flow into back into how you listen on a Sunday and how you chat in a home group and how you, gen- you know, generally encourage others anyway. And I think just yeah this time either chatting with you or with someone else or on my own it it fuels everything else as much as like the Sunday sermon will fuel this time as well does that make sense yeah that's so helpful and so the hunger grows and so then you're more and more attuned to the word and so more and more eager to listen to God and to 
encourage yeah. others in it. That is so true. That's so true, I think. Yeah. yeah. So all in all. All right. Well, let's get let's get stuck into it. Today we are reading John's uh first chapter still, and we're on verses 19 to th- Ooh, what are we doing? 1934. Um, we're in the NIV translation in case we didn't mention that um, last time. So John chapter one, verse 19 to 34. Now, this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely. I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now, the Pharisees who'd been sent questioned him. Why then do you baptize if you're not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied. But among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan, where John was baptising. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptising with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. Wow, that ending is just so strong, isn't it? Just this Mm. is him. This is God's chosen one. I think it's so amazing all the way through, especially that first half, that John is so clearly pointing to Jesus rather than to himself. There's so much kind of the people coming to us, the priests and the Levites, are Mm -hmm. asking him, who are you? And he's just kind of deflecting again and again. <laughs> like, it's not about me. Like, you're asking yeah. the wrong the wrong question, really, aren't they? Yeah, I think it's really interesting that, isn't it? All the way through, there's this kind of repetition of John's testimony. He confessed freely his testimony. He looked, saw, I've seen, I testify. So there's like, again, like what we're beginning to see last week as well, weren't we, about um, testimony. But, and then, yeah, at the same time, he's not saying, this is who I am. He's saying, look, this is who I've come to talk about. This is who I'm pointing to. He's like the Jesus pointer of all time, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Otherwise known as the signpost. Yes, <laughs> the signpost. The voice, yeah. But it, and when they say, are you Elijah? They're talking about, if you were to go back into Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, there's a kind of reference to the next person of God before the Messiah will be Elijah. So it's, it's interesting that they're asking that. Because they kind of Mm. have spotted that, oh, this guy, John, he is of God. Could he be that person that's talked about back in those prophecies? But then they don't seem to make kind of the next leap, do they? Or or not yet. Whether they're going to or not has yet to be revealed. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? And then they say, are you the prophet? And I don't really know what they're talking about there, do you? (laughs) No, no. I did a little bit of research and I still couldn't work it out. So I think it must just mean an important person. Okay. (laughs) Okay, we'll theological, get that uh, 
<laughs> astuteness. But um, yes. Yeah. So then, so then he goes on verse 23 and he replies in the words of Isaiah, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. Um, and I think what's really helpful about Bibles is that if you look at the end, they've got this little kind of letter and you look down at the bottom, mine's a letter D and it says Isaiah 40 verse three. And then you can go back and check what's happening in Isaiah 40. Um, and I don't know whether you did this, but this absolutely blew my mind as I took myself back to Isaiah 40 and saw the context of this quote. Yes, it is huge, isn't it? It's such a huge chapter in the sort of a whole realm of Isaiah anyway. And then you read this and and I think as we go back and check the footnote, it's not that you're checking to see whether it's right, is it? It's actually like, okay, what's the deal at that yeah. point? And we have this huge, this chapter actually starts with this kind of comfort, comfort, because the Lord himself is coming to save and to judge. And that's one of, that's one of the big things here. We have this whole kind of the enormity of what John is saying as he quotes Isaiah here is that God himself is coming. Yeah. And that like just the way that that's described in Isaiah um, in verse five, it says the glory of the Lord will be revealed. The mouth of the Lord has spoken um, it talks about the word of the Lord lasting, enduring forever. It talks about um, the Lord coming with power, but he'll also tend to his flock like a shepherd and gather the lambs, uh, lambs in his arms carrying them close to his heart, gently leading. Like, it's just the most extraordinary picture of the Lord coming to his people. Isn't it? And we've just read before about the word becoming flesh. And then you, you just connect the dots and you're like, yeah. what? This is amazing. <laughs> and so it's not just that John's kind of saying, oh, I'm that guy in Isaiah 40 saying, you know, I'm going to prepare the way. It's the whole context of what that verse is in that is so extraordinary. And it so kind of just brings this home who he's introducing us to. Yes, absolutely. So in a way, like the reference just kind of adds a whole new dimension to the introduction that we've been having in these opening yeah. verses. If 1 to 18 is the prologue and kind of get setting the scene, introducing Jesus to us, and then we get this like really early doors, big fat Isaiah quotation, which just blows it all out yeah. of proportion because it's cosmic levels of, of who Jesus is and what he's fulfilling. And, and suddenly you see that this person who's being talked about here is what all of that has been anticipating. Essentially, the whole of history up until this point has yeah. been waiting for the word to for become this. flesh. Yeah. And then you get John, kind of the next day, John sees him. And the first thing he says about Jesus is, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And that, again, that's like a mind-blowing kind of concept and kind of saying it's just you know what he's just said is extraordinary and that's the first thing we get about Jesus from John's mouth and I just think whoa <laughs> <laughs> it is really interesting isn't it because then he he repeats it again in the verse that we're just this verse after our passage so in all of this as he's introducing Jesus and you think when you're telling someone about someone else the first things mm. you say are of kind of utmost importance aren't they so so clearly or oh, we've had that whole identity of him as the son of God, as the chosen one. But then also that person is also the lamb of God who is going to take away the sin of the world. And that yeah. in its very statement is quite something, isn't it? The idea that this Yahweh is also 
the lamb, the sacrificial yeah. lamb who will take away the sin, which is our biggest problem. And, and, and I wonder whether that's one of the challenges through having this description so early on mm. is for us to realize that sin is such a big problem that we need to know that he's the lamb of God, like really early on to recognize that. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the fact that that, yeah, that is the first thing he says about it, about him is, it means it's really important, isn't it? It's, it's setting a tone, isn't it? And mm. it's kind of looking back, Jesus, you know, the whole of the Old Testament is kind of imaged in this moment, isn't it? Like if we think about just sacrifice through the Old Testament, and then here we are, if we think about sin, we think, you know, all of it is imaged here. And just the enormity of and I just can't get over the kind of, you know, a picture of a lamb, a lamb, a gentle little lamb and the sin of the world. Yeah. I mean, you just it's so incongruous, isn't it? You can't really picture those two things together at the same time. And yet they are. And that's who John is saying Jesus is. And that's who we're kind of introduced to. Mm. And I wonder what you're saying about the kind of incongruity of those two things, like the lamb and the sin. That, that must have been very similar. So you're looking at this very ordinary man he's nothing remarkable to look at mm. according to all kind of accounts and yet he's being described in these kind of magnificent terms and that he is capable of taking on himself the sin of the world and and those two things just that the enormity of who Jesus is and what he has come to do are just beginning to become more and more clear aren't they we're only in the first chapter still and I feel like my view of Jesus is kind of exploding. It's interesting, isn't it? Walking so slowly through these verses, which are very familiar verses. I've definitely read these a number of times before, but it's really, my. I feel like my eyes are being opened wider than yeah. they have been before <laughs> as yeah. I see this. And I think that's the challenge on our hearts, isn't it? Like, does my view of Jesus line up with what I'm seeing here today? is this what I think about Jesus when I wake up in the morning that my sin is included in that phrase? My sin needs to be dealt with today. And is my view of Jesus lining up with what Isaiah says about Jesus as well? Because this, this is an extraordinary picture, isn't it? We had an extraordinary picture last week of kind of introducing him in the prologue. And this is another kind of aspect that just, again, like, oh, it's so kind of awe or fit what's the word or filled with awe or inspiring or. <laughs> something along those lines isn't it but like oh that feels like that's my prayer like I want my view of Jesus in the middle of my day to be this and not to be kind of diminished and I think that is that is really helpful to then have these verses isn't it we, we, their whole purpose as John has told us is to reveal who Jesus is so that we might believe in his name and, and as we then dwell on these verses and things like the Isaiah quotation, even just John pointing to him as the lamb of the lamb who takes sin of the world, they all kind of add to those anchoring kind of understandings of who Jesus is. Because I think then I come back to these verses and I've been coming back to them repeatedly as we've been looking forwards to this, then I'm more likely to think like this rather than mm -hmm. think like what my unbelieving friends are saying or what I see the world to be kind of making a big deal of but the more I dwell on this the more my heart is maybe shaped by this is that the word or kind of anchored yeah. in these truths yeah it's been encouraging to me and I think that all comes in with the revelation theme that we've been having going going through 
these verses as well. When John is saying, come and see, look, he's pointing, it's testimony, it's witness. And mm-hmm. the what a blessing it is to have revelation, to be able to see Jesus through these words. So we can be absolutely sure that this is who Jesus is and he is worth following and he is worth having a huge picture of. He surpasses anything else that we could imagine. Yeah, definitely. And I think, yeah, it's John's very, it feels like he's being extraordinarily intentional in that, doesn't he, in setting up this first chapter and just reminding the reader of how sure he is because of what he's seen. Mm-hmm. And again, what John the Baptist has seen and testified to, and he's lining up the witness statements, isn't he? And he's it- combining that with these kind of belters of phrases yeah. about, the, about the Lord Jesus that yeah. make you sit up and make you realize I can't just I can't just leave you know this is this is crazy what you're saying about Jesus is either is either true or it's not isn't it it's a crazy yeah. statement to say you're the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world I mean that it's nuts if it's not true <laughs> and I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because that's that's right. So it's nuts if it's not true. And then helpfully, John is giving us so many different facets of who Jesus is. So we yeah. can be all the more persuaded that he is the lamb who takes away the sin of the world. As in, he is capable of being that lamb because of yeah. all the other voices and all the other testimonies that show who he is. It's really, it's challenging in a kind of, uh, uh, it's not like go away and do stuff, is it? It's like, no. Like is my bigger, heart bigger view of Jesus stuff? Exactly. Isn't it? That's the I think, and that's what we came back to. Uh, I don't know in Esther, maybe maybe even in Habakkuk as well. Thinking actually, sometimes a lot of the time, like applying God's word doesn't necessarily look like go away and do this thing. It, it looks like here. It looks like look at Jesus. Yeah, marvel at who He is. Yeah, and that you've got this word of God that's sure and true in front of you and pray to that end isn't it it's totally amazing i mean i've I've got a little tingly feeling just about it (laughs) (laughs) oh why don't you uh pray for us sarah that we would have hearts that are filled with jesus i'd love to heavenly father we just thank you so much for this testimony that we have here that is true and trustworthy um, we thank you so much for this extraordinary vision of who Jesus is, that he brings comfort, that he um, leads his people gently like a, like a shepherd with his lambs. And yet he is also the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We just praise you so much, Lord, that um, this is who we are presented with today. And this is what we need to hear about the Lord Jesus today. We need to hear that our sin is a problem. We need to hear that there's a solution and it's found and met in the Lord Jesus. Lord, please, would you um, keep enlarging our view of Jesus? Would he become greater and would we become less as we see more and more of this extraordinary picture of the Lord Jesus? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be praying on that we'll all be heart-filled with Jesus. Yeah, I finished definitely. my uh, delightful cup of Earl Grey. It was very pleasant. Oh, I know, very quick, yeah. Yeah. Uh, just love a good cup of tea with you. It's great. <laughs> um, great. So we'll see you next time. Um, do If you are enjoying this series, why not share it with a friend? Is there someone you could text right now and say, why don't you listen along together? And we've got those questions in the show notes. Go to the show notes. We've got a, 
a range of different things on the show notes to help you but what uh, the biggest thing are some questions to dig into over a cup of tea that just kind of help to root this in your heart a little bit more and to help you pray it through with a friend as well um and we'll see you next time for the next bit of chapter one see you next time goodbye bye thanks for listening to this episode it's sponsored by tenofos.com check them out for great discounted resources that point to jesus